listening to the Testudo Times Podcast, the official podcast of SB Nation's Maryland Terrapins Colossus. And welcome to episode 59 of the Testudo Times Podcast, where I am here to inform everyone that reality kind of sucks. I don't think this is news to any of you listening or reading the site, but yeah, reality is not a lot of fun when it hits you in the face. Uh, Ryan Connors is here joining me tonight. Ryan, doesn't reality suck? Uh, I think right now for Maryland, probably, yeah. Well, it depends on what your view of reality is. If you have a twisted and warped sense of reality, and I guess we all did, then it kind of does suck. Or if we're going back to the april may reality maybe it doesn't suck so much we'll get into that in a bit and thomas is also joining us tonight hi thomas how's it going it's going well fresh off uh fresh off a natch loss so yeah no 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 uh you must refer to them now as the zombie expos oh i am sorry about that yes they are the zombie expos Anyway, this is not a baseball podcast, unless we're talking about Brett Cecil, and then it might be a baseball podcast because he went to Maryland, and he is in the ALCS. But I want to start by going into this Maryland football. We'll get all into the Penn State stuff and then the future in a moment, but there was a lot of news today, uh, Ryan, notably beyond the fact that Isaiah Davis was suspended for trying to kill Joey Julius. And while a very um, deep and perverse part of me enjoyed that, the smart part of me hated it, and he's suspended for a game, but most notably is Trey Edmonds' injury. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, Edmonds had been, he had been really solid so far. Uh, like, he's a grad transfer, and kind of, we'd only seen him for four or five games. But um, he was he was pretty good. He's, I mean, he was Maryland's fourth leading rusher. He was averaging six yards a carry, and he w- was never... He's not a breakaway guy. He's he's just getting like, you know, I'd, I'd be willing to bet it is around those actually just him getting multiple six-yard gains. Um, he was really solid short yardage threat. And I think uh, probably the way to combat his loss is you're going to see a little bit more Kenneth Goins. And, uh, I mean, it'll open up a little bit more spot for Wes Brown, who uh, he had five carries in his uh, – against – well, actually, no, he's been back for, what, two weeks? Two, two so, weeks. Uh, five, five carries in two weeks is obviously not very many. But um, I, I think you'll see I, him more. I imagine, I imagine he'll he, uh, he was out for uh, the first three games. Well, no, no um, not Wes Brown, but how long is Trey Edmonds out for? Oh, Trey Edmonds, he's uh, – uh, it, it was a little bit vague. He said a couple weeks. I imagine that's, uh, that's going to be around three or four games. I assume we'll probably see him back for Michigan. That would be my best guess. But we will get more into running backs and play calling in a second. Uh, DJ Durkin, it, it's definitely different now when you're going to a press conference after a loss like that and after a game like that in which reality hits you. Uh, Thomas, what did you notice in DJ Durkin's demeanor that changed or maybe it didn't change all that much uh, compared to what we had seen in the first four weeks? Yeah, I mean, today... Uh, his demeanor really didn't change. It was a lot of focus on, um, you know, still, you know, we're going toward next week. Um, I was not there for the Saturday press conference, so I cannot speak to that. Um, but his demeanor on Tuesday was pretty much uh, the same it's always been. 
Um, he did, you know, answer questions kind of, you know, in a more serious manner. Um, you know, didn't crack a lot of smiles or anything, but, you know, he, he's still got the same energy. He's still got the same vibe and, uh, I mean, he still gave a pretty good speech. So let's get now into what happened on Saturday. And for a lot of us, we didn't really expect that to happen. Although maybe in hindsight, and hindsight of course is 2020, and everything looks better in hindsight, maybe we shouldn't have expected as much as we did. But Ryan, I'm going to start with this because I know we talked about it after UCF, and we're going to talk about it again here. Maryland is not a very talented football team. Now, what I am saying is they are not talented based on maybe what 4-0 and the results and the way Maryland got to 4-0 might have led everybody to believe. Uh, they are not at the upper echelon of Power 5 talent at the moment. And that's not surprising because they have a first-year head coach. Now, considering other teams that have first-year head coaches, particularly in the Big Ten, I'm thinking of uh, ones that play in Piscataway, New Jersey, and wore all black and tried to stripe the birthplace, for instance. Maryland's in a lot better shape, and they have won four games this season, and they won three last year. So what DJ Durkin has already done is incredibly impressive, but what I think that Penn State game taught us, and we saw hints of it with UCF, but we saw a lot more of it against the Nittany Lions, is Maryland isn't supremely talented yet, and no matter what DJ Durkin and Walt Bell could do, they are hamstrung by their lack of talent, and even though I don't think Penn State is very well coached, I don't think they're a great team. Many people will agree with that they can still win because they have more talent currently than the Terps do. And that's going to be the case in many games going forward down the stretch, even though we might think Maryland should be able to beat them. Yeah, uh, I mean, you're absolutely correct. It's going to be, uh, you know, DJ Durkin's recruiting has obviously been pretty good, but it's, it's going it, to, you know, It'll, it'll, it'll always take a couple of years before you can necessarily evaluate what, what he'll do with the team. Um, it's it's going to be a bit of a, uh, you know, next the next three weeks are going to be a couple of weeks to enjoy or, you know, sort of against Minnesota, Michigan State, and Indiana. Then Michigan, Ohio State, and, and Nebraska are going to be some uh, tough, there's going to be tough times before you get Rutgers at the end of the season. Um but yeah, there's going to be a couple games where it's just Maryland just doesn't they they don't have they don't recruit on the same level, and as much as effort and coaching and whatever else you want to think about can do, it can't it can't make up for the gap that uh, that Michigan and Ohio State, two incredibly well coached and talented teams, have on Maryland. That is absolutely true, and. The other part of this that I want people to not forget is, yeah, Maryland lost by 24 to a team that we all want to beat, but this is still a team that's in way better position than a lot of similar teams are in situations like this. And as I said, I mentioned Rutgers, but Illinois is a similar team. Maryland has a lot more talent than them, and not many coaches in their first year get off to these flying starts. I guess we're maybe we're all crowded by Ralph Friedgen, but... Just because this loss was bad and because it's now dawned on people that Maryland is not the most talented football team in the world, I don't want that to cloud what has already happened and what might happen going forward. I think that's still incredibly important. And while 
optimism has probably dwindled quite a bit, that doesn't mean that what had been building should be lost in all of the shuffle, right? I definitely think so. I think, um, like, you know, Maryland fans, like, you know, living in College Park, people still don't really talk about Maryland football all that much. But after a 4 0 start, everyone was pretty excited. And I think the natural reaction, everyone is just going to be like, oh, well, they're terrible. Well, I'm done. Like, Maryland football sucks. And, like, that really shouldn't be your reaction. Um, I mean, Maryland played pretty badly against Penn State. Penn State played pretty well. But, uh, you know, people who are like, oh, the season's over, this team's not worth it, there's there's a long way to go here. And uh, I think it's still going to be pretty – there, there's still going to be a lot of reasons to watch this team. And why I think those people are kind of silly, it's like, well, what did you expect this season? I mean, most of us coming into the year thought Penn State was an automatic loss. Then as yeah. time went on, we thought, okay, this is way more winnable than we thought. And now it's like, oh, well – Whoops. You know, maybe if you go back to your thoughts from April and May when you looked at the schedule and said, yeah, this is an automatic loss, things could be a little bit different. So let's, I guess now, Thomas, go into the game itself. And there are a lot of different angles we can take with this. Uh, but the angle I want to go with is we talk about areas where Maryland isn't as talented as other teams. Quarterback is obviously one. But the two areas that became incredibly evident that Maryland is still not as talented as it needs to be are A, the offensive line, and B, and more explicitly, the front seven. Maryland's had very good front sevens in the past couple of years, but there's been a lot of talent drain in that area, and particularly the linebackers were very, very poor. And in many ways, the UCF game was an indicator of what was to come because that offense killed Maryland then. And Trace McSorley and Saquon Barkley basically did what they wanted to do against the Terps. And I think a lot of that is talent, maybe not scheme, because we asked then, if you'll remember that podcast, uh, we asked then, why could Maryland not change what they were doing defensively, scheme-wise, to stop UCF's read option? And now, with the second game where they get completely gashed by it, I think it's a question of it's more talent, not scheme. Um, so the first thing with um, the offensive line, um, yeah, it's still kind of tricky. It seems like the line, uh, all the linemen are still kind of gelling together. They they rotate a lot. They, um, you know, move within the line. And, you know, even though they all play a similar game, you know, there's still a little bit that's always going to be off with that. And it, it's just not, you know, a great group against some of the better defensive lines that they'll see um also i mean pass protection involves also you know tight ends and running backs and um, awareness by quarterbacks and you know all of that has to come together if you want to have good pass protection and you know it's just not all quite there in maryland right now um and as far as the front seven goes yeah i mean we knew at the start of the year that linebacker would be kind of a question so i guess this shouldn't come as too much of a surprise um they're mostly playing in these kind of two four five sets or four two five sets with uh just jermaine carter and shane cockrell at linebacker um and so you know when it's a front six instead of a front seven that's one less guy uh that's there to try and stop someone like a saquon barkley um the defensive line's been okay at getting pressure. 
I, Barkley I went off. Right, and but, but, sorry to interrupt, the, but one of the things that I noticed is, again, it was it's the second level. It's once you get into the second level, it's done. There isn't a second level at the defense at the moment. And again, whether that scheme or talent can be debated, I think it's more talent. But once Saquon Barkley got to the second level, it was game over. Yeah, and I think, I mean, Saquon Barkley is fantastic. So there's only so much you can say, you know, about something like that. Oh, Maryland isn't good enough. I mean, maybe it might have just been Saquon Barkley would have been better than anyone that day. Who knows? Um, I think there is real reason to be concerned. I mean, Maryland already lost Denzel Conyers. Um, and, you know, Darnell Savage and Josh Woods have been okay. Um, but they're not going to be great. And I don't really think there's any reason to expect them to be. And so, you know, it, it's definitely understandable if they struggle against some of the better runners. I think the biggest worry for me, though, is, Ryan, I know you'll probably agree with this, is the read option just destroyed Maryland again. And three of the teams that they played didn't run that, obviously. FIU did a bit, and it wasn't great. Howard is Howard, and Purdue has a more traditional dropback passer. UCF ran it pretty well, and that's not, you know, this isn't JT Barrett that Maryland is facing or, you know, some of these guys that they could be facing. That's Trace McSorley, and he had an amazing day running the football. That, again, do you think it's more scheme that's the problem, or is it talent, or is it a bit of both when a quarterback like that is running the way that he was, irrespective of how good Saquon Barkley is? Um, I think it's not particularly scheme. Um, I think it was probably, I mean, judging from what Durkin said, you know, he was pretty quick to blame uh, execution on this one, and uh, he was, his explanation was more, um, just players not being in the right spot and especially he his big thing he said was players are trying to do too much which i think can be interpreted interpreted more as like guys over pursuing and not staying in their lanes on the read option because i think that's really the only way you can defend it because if guys are out of their lane maybe not playing the right guy then that's how you get the giant holes that penn state had um it's definitely also a talent problem i think um you know a lot of people are gonna have a talent problem trying to tackle saquon barkley but barkley hadn't been having a particularly great season so this, far this was the biggest and point then, that i wanted to make too is that this was the first really big saquon barkley game i think i don't remember how many yards he had against minnesota and that's obviously important because that's who Maryland i think it was next. 63 or 65 yeah that's really concerning when he has only 65 against one team and then goes for what over 200 the next i mean yeah, th there's yeah, something think, wrong uh, there if that's happening yeah um and I think a lot of that has to be just, I mean, I think it, it probably would be scheme, I guess. Uh, or not, sorry, not, not scheme. I'd say it's personnel and just, uh, I mean, you know, Maryland, Maryland's linebacker recruiting hasn't been particularly, you know, it's not a place that stands out, I think, for any particular reason, good or bad. You know, no one's been like, oh, no, Maryland needs to restock its, you know, linebackers. But at the same time, uh, linebacker certainly hasn't been one of the positions where they've gotten a lot of marquee recruits. I think Jermaine Carter Jr. came in this season, and we all kind of expected him to be one of the team's best best players, period. And uh, I can't, you know, 
evaluating a middle linebacker's performance is a bit of a uh, it's a bit of a tough thing. I mean, he has. Let's see. Um, he had a blocked punt. Right after I said he needed yeah. to do something big in this game, he had a blocked punt. So that was yeah, good, I mean, obviously. He he and and Cockrell are the uh, you know two leading tacklers on a team, which you kind of expect the two linebackers to be anyway. Um, and tackles are hardly a really measurement of success, I think. Um, and you know you're dealing with a guy in Shane Cockrell who was playing quarterback last season, and that's definitely got to be a hard transition. And even if he's a good tackler, I imagine it's, you know, it's still a big adjustment for him to always be in the right place at the right time. Um, so, yeah, I think I'm not totally sure how this whole thing gets fixed. I imagine having people like Cam Spence and Josh Kanda will help, um, even if maybe they're not totally, you know, you know, by the time they're sophomores, I think that's really when you can expect some bigger things out of them. I think maybe uh, Kendo should be good as a freshman, but you still, even with a highly recruited guy like him, it's still not a given that he's just going to come in and dominate the Big Ten as a mm-hmm. freshman. Um, but, you know, you got to think once you have a, you know, Adam McLean maybe comes of age a little bit more next season. You got a guy like Cam Spence in a couple of years, Kendo, Melvin Kane. You think that that defense you would think would be able to defend plays like that a little bit better. Uh, one quick question, because you're mentioning recruiting before we move on to Perry Hills and the offense, and then we'll get to Minnesota. Uh, are you okay with the asking about recruiting questions after a loss like that? And I'm not saying uh, whether it's actually no. going to happen. I'm just asking as a journalist, as we're all journalists here, as I don't think those questions are particularly helpful. And yeah, I think I think it's fine to have these questions. I think we all do have these questions. What does it mean for recruiting? But one thing we're actually trying to do here is I think it's a lot useful, and hopefully we'll have something up on this within the next few days. Um, you know, you're going to ask the coach right after he lost or right after, you know, you ask the coach right after he wins if he if you think this would this helped in recruiting. Of course, he's going to say yes. Um, you know, you ask Durkin right after he lost, what does this mean for recruiting? He's not going to tell you, oh, well, you know, we're screwed because uh, I mean, first of all, they're not, and second of all, I mean, he's not going to say like he's not going to say that it was bad because that's just not what not what you do at a post game press conference. I think the best way to do this is to talk to the recruits and just see what they think. Um, Peaches Terp in our uh, comment section had a great point that, uh, and he knows a lot more about recruiting than I do. Uh, you know, recruiting is still about relationships, not about teams, at least more or less. And, you know, a team winning or losing this one game, I think never is really going to mean that much. I think it, in the long term, you know, Maryland beating or, you know, Penn State beating Maryland a couple times might help. But, you know, that's not I, you can't really think after this game. Oh, no. Like what really happened? Like probably nothing. Yeah, that's absolutely true. So let's move on to Perry Hills. He got injured again. Didn't play in the second half. There's a lot about Tyrell Pigram we can say, but you see why he's not starting now. And you can also kind of see why there isn't a second package for uh, Pigram in at the moment. 
that to me is the biggest uh, one of the bigger takeaways from this game at the at the moment. But with Hills, you saw a lot of the things that got him in trouble in years past, and Thomas it got him in trouble on Saturday. Obviously, not feeling blindside pressure was one. That fumble right after the block punt was pretty inexcusable. But, you know, maybe so, – I, I don't want to call it reckless the way he kind of dives in when he's running. Maybe it's a little bit foolhardy. I don't know. But he does sometimes seem to put himself in harm's way. And right now, he is Maryland's best quarterback for better or for worse. And because of that, you know, losing him clearly – hurt the team and Maryland was better with Hills in than with Pigram and these injuries and these kind of moments they add up over a season and that's a bit of a problem yeah you know Perry and all the coaches are saying this and all the players are saying this Perry's this crazy tough crazy competitive kid and you know he is not gonna shy away from any of these from any contact or any of that um you know he was a champion wrestler he's you know that's that's his thing but yeah at times as a quarterback yeah it's more about knowing you know when to go for contact and when to avoid it um if and if you go for it all the time you know occasionally you'll get banged up and uh, that's what's happened to hills now a couple mm-hmm. times and you know it, it is unfortunate uh for maryland what is the update on his health uh, he's day to day. He sh- he should be playing this week. He's 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 playing. He's playing. I think they yeah. they have to list him day to day, and they do they list him day to day just to you know, why why not essentially? But every every account, even Durkin is pretty tight lipped with injuries. But even he said, you know, Perry's going to be out there against uh, Minnesota, and I think if uh, you know to answer that same question too, um, that's. I think the, the he was Durkin was asked today about Perry taking these big hits, and he was like, "We're trying." Like they're clearly, that's definitely a point of focus with the coaching staff is uh, just kind of getting him out of harm's way, because he, as you said, he definitely is Maryland's best quarterback, and uh, you know he took he took one hit in particular that I'm sure the coaching staff was on him about afterward. He really like he kind of lowered his head into someone right as he was going off the field. And uh, that I was surprised he like even was fine after that one, but um, I think that's that's just going to be something that they have to keep drilling into his head. And they're going to have to keep on trying with that, as it I think it became pretty evident. Even though we yeah. all love Tyrell Pigram and he could become a very good college quarterback, it's pretty evident why he isn't playing as much as some of us thought. And the calls for people to bench Perry Hills. I know that's a thing that Maryland fans do quite often is to call for Benji to the quarterback, but I think, I hope everybody saw, and we love Tyrell Pigram here, I hope everybody saw why he's not starting and why Perry Hills, despite all of his flaws, is. Speaking of quarterbacks that are injured, Ryan, we got some news today that I think dramatically changes the way we're all going to go into the Minnesota game, which is Mitch Leidner's out. Now, I didn't see how he got injured, but Mitch Leidner is a very solid college quarterback. Not great. Some people had him pretty high on NFL draft boards. I'm not a draft Nick, but to my eye, that's probably a bit silly. Uh, but he's out. Now, this changes a lot as to how we view this game. And 
I mean, Maryland at home should be favorites against Minnesota anyway, but now with a backup quarterback on the road, you've started 0-2 in conference play. This is as advantageous a setup for Maryland as it gets coming off a bad loss. Yeah, that was, I mean, the Ladner injury, that's that's a real big deal. I mean, um, I didn't really follow Mitch Ladner at all. I didn't know who he was until this summer when people started when like some people compared him to Carson Wentz and then there was the whole backlash where they're like, what are you guys doing? Why are you comparing him to Carson Wentz? That's ridiculous. Um, you know, watching a little bit of Minnesota, yeah, I think he's certainly not any Carson Wentz, but he's pretty solid. I'd rate him as probably, I'm sure, an above average Big Ten quarterback. And considering what Minnesota's got, they really they need, need him because, because their rushing attack and uh, by S&P, S&P is rated like uh, literally the 100th best in the nation and i mean passing is only a 59 which is not incredible but that's still really way better and all of a sudden now you put in a redshirt junior walk-on in uh let's see his name is connor rota and he's thrown two passes in, in his entire career um i know absolutely nothing about him and i don't think anyone else does um but suffice to say that's a pretty big downgrade and i imagine i don't know what you do to combat that i imagine you run the ball a lot more despite you know they haven't had they haven't been very good at running the ball but you know against maryland i imagine you're going to try your luck doing that um but if you're maryland this means this means you try to i guess stack the box against them for sure now here's what's interesting about it I look at their rush offense, and while you say your things about S&P, it says here on the Big Ten's official website that Minnesota is fifth in the conference, averaging 203 yards a game running the ball. I don't know what that means. I, I tend to think they're somewhere in the middle. But now that we're saying that, and there's a backup quarterback, and as Maryland fans in Maryland media, we know quite a bit about what happens when you put in backup quarterbacks, and it can end badly. And Thomas... When we heard the news that Leidner was out, I mean, Minnesota isn't a juggernaut by any means anyway. They only scored seven against Iowa at home. Now you're starting to think Maryland needs to win this game. Like, you can't lose to a backup quarterback at home in a game that was already pretty winnable. This is one of those, and we talked about this before we started recording, this is one of those games that if Maryland doesn't win it, the perception around everything that's been going on changes dramatically definitely this game will say a lot about maryland and you know for better or worse if you can't beat um you know a a team at at home with a backup you know if you can't win at home against a team with a backup quarterback uh you know, and maybe you shouldn't really be at a bowl game. I mean, obviously they'll still have other winnable games, but you know, this is, you know, their their chances are pretty good right now, and it's, mm. it would be a shame if they wasted it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like when Durkin said a while ago, you know, if, about that fourth and two run at Penn State. Oh, I um, forgot about you know, that. Get, I, I tried to block yeah. it out of my brain because that's the first time I've actually been angry at Walt Bell for a play call, and I think a lot of us were kind of scratching our heads going what when you saw that but yeah but regardless of that I mean, Dirk, Durkin said I, I think after the game you know 
if they, if you can't get two yards, you shouldn't win the game there. And yes. they didn't get two yards, and they didn't win the game. So, you know, this is one of those, you know, maybe if you can't win a home game against a team with a backup quarterback, then maybe you shouldn't be in a bowl game. I, I would tend to agree with that. I would absolutely tend to agree with that. Uh, Ryan, you watched some film. This is one of the first times I've ever said that on this podcast. Hopefully I'll be saying it a lot hey. more. Uh, I usually just watch it. I, I usually watch it later in the week. Or we, no. we, we usually, well, we've tried to, but we haven't been as good with our preparing for future teams bit uh, on this show. But with this game, because it is very important, I think, now more than ever, we have done this a bit more. Uh, what do you see on film about Minnesota, Ryan, that gets you uh, intrigued in a positive way or a negative way? Now, for most of Minnesota's games this year, they have been close. Now, that's with Mitch Leidner at quarterback. I have no idea how it will go without him, but a lot of their games have been close. So what have you seen on film that intrigues you rightly or wrongly, I guess? <laughs> Um, all right, and full disclosure, this uh, film is, you know, half of their Penn State game that I watched today after I did some homework. But um, I think, uh, I mean, Leidner looked pretty solid. Um, you know, obviously watching Maryland and Penn State, I haven't been seeing, you know, quarterback play hasn't been the greatest. But, uh, I mean, he looked pretty good. He was completing some passes that were actually downfield which um, quarterbacks haven't really done against Maryland so far. Um, uh, and they did. A, Trace McSorley had a couple. I mean, a, it a wasn't, couple. Like, they didn't need to do that, I think, is the biggest part of the, the story with down-the-field passing. I don't think teams That's, have needed to test Maryland down the field, or they couldn't. Well, I think I mean, most, most teams needed to and couldn't, and then Penn State didn't really need to. And, and still did. I mean, they, they didn't they didn't complete very many passes downfield. And they had the one 70-yard completion where J.C. Jackson just tripped. But, uh, I mean, for the most part, against Penn State, Maryland's passing defense downfield or otherwise was pretty solid. Um, but, you know, they operate off out of the pistol. They do, you know, a lot of pre-snap motion that you got to be pretty familiar with if you're watching Maryland by now. Um, and I, I think they run more of a... At least against Penn State, they're running more of a 4-2-5, I think. They had essentially, in the same way that sometimes Maryland has Will Likely creeping over a little bit and looking a little bit like a linebacker, that's kind of what they do with one of their cornerback or safeties. Um, but, yeah, I hadn't, uh, you know, nothing nothing that nothing that nuts really really jumps jumps off the, uh, off the tape. I mean, they're, they're Minnesota, you know. Minnesota really has things that really jump off the tape, I feel like. I don't think you're wrong about that. Uh, I want to get, I guess, to, I get in lieu of predictions, because we did that last week and it kind of blew up in our face. And I think at this <laughs> point, we all expect Maryland should be able to beat a meh team at home with a backup quarterback. I think we should all hope that Maryland, in this iteration, can do that. Thomas, who are some players that you want to see more from? Obviously, with Trey Edmonds out, that means there's a lot more expected of Ty Johnson. There's a lot more you're going to see from West Brown with Kenan Goins. Hopefully, this means more Lorenzo Harrison, who was one of the few players on Saturday that I think kind of evaded the stink, so to speak. Uh, who are some players you want to see more from, and who are some players you want to see big games out of on Saturday? 
Um, I think it's about time we really see Wes Brown jump out. Wes Brown has been, you know, kind of a non-factor since he got back, and we really didn't expect that. We expected him to be, you know, one of Maryland's best running backs, even though, you know, obviously Johnson and Harrison have been, you know, pretty solid this year. Um, even though Ty Johnson actually only had three rushing yards last week because his touchdown was a reception. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'm definitely looking for, a, you know, a much bigger day from West Brown. Mm-hmm. I think without uh, Trey Edmonds, I think you're going to see him used more. Uh, I guess a follow-up to that, are you surprised that he hasn't been used as much as he has been? Uh, we thought when he came back, boy, that's an uh, that's icing on the cake. He's a great running back, and he's being added to a very good group of running backs already. And then you just haven't seen him used all that often. It's kind of tricky. I mean, we haven't seen too much of anybody. You know, only, uh, you know, we, we never see running backs get more than, like, seven, eight, nine carries a game. And so it's just kind of tricky, although I thought, you know, I just did think I'd see more of him than this. I thought, I'd, you know, we'd see him get, like, five, six a game. He got five against Purdue, but um, he's not used as much since Penn State, which still, you know, he's been practicing with the running backs this whole time. So, um I don't know what they saw from him in practice before Penn State, but it didn't feel like uh, it would have really helped him. Second follow-up to that, Ryan, we know that Maryland's strength on offense is using a lot of different personnel and mixing and matching, but do you think we've reached a point now five games into the season, and we're almost halfway through it, do you think we've reached a point in the season where Maryland should start focusing on using a few fewer players, i.e. give Ty Johnson a couple of series and spell him when necessary instead of changing everything on every play? Because at times, I think it really disrupted Maryland's rhythm on offense, and there's positives to all of that change and all of that depth. And then there's the negative in which you don't really establish rhythm with these players. And for somebody like Ty Johnson, who could, I think, be a pretty decent every down back with a quick spell or two, we haven't really seen it because he's not getting enough carries to where we can figure out whether he's a good every down running back. Um, I think I think that's tricky because I think um, the the establishing a rhythm idea is sort of like, for me, that kind of sounds like momentum, which is something I don't really believe exists. Um, but I think, I, I mean, first of all, for the most part with Maryland, you know, every running back who's been in has been doing a pretty good job. Now, I think there is certainly is the argument that, you know, Ty Johnson, he's breaking out runs left and right. Hey, like that seems like you'd want to give him the ball more. And but, Lorenzo Harrison shows those moves and that evasiveness where you're just like, how did he get out of that? And then you're thinking, well, shouldn't he be getting more carries now? Sure thing, and I think that's I, – I understand that line of thinking, but, um, I mean, like, let's see what the exact uh, count is. But, I mean, Harrison and Ty Johnson have been getting more carries than everyone else. I mean, Harrison has 11 more carries than Johnson, who has seven more carries than Trey Edmonds, who has – he has nine more carries than Jake Funk, who has two more than Goins. Like, Johnson and 
Harrison have more or less been the two feature backs for Maryland. Um, so I think I think they have been getting they have been getting their fair shots. So I guess now is a follow up to the follow up to the follow up to the follow up. Back to the original question: What do you want to see? Oh, uh, rephrasing that a bit: Who are you looking forward to seeing big performances out of on Saturday? Because there are some players I think that we all mm. kind of want to see more of. This is a home game. It's a pretty big home game. You've got two in a row at home against two teams that you can beat. Uh, who are some players that you want to see more out of? Sure. Um, I mean, I think, you know, I want to see a little bit more out of Michael Dunn and Damian Prince, the two tackles who got, I know, at least on a couple plays. Uh, Penn State got pretty good pressure through both of them. Um, but, again, again, evaluating offensive lines and pass protections is a thing I'm definitely not even qualified to do. Um, and I know Prince and Dunn are both pretty good tackles, and Penn State has pretty good pass rush. But uh, I'd say for sure Perry Hills, probably DJ Moore, um, who Penn State sh- shut down pretty well. And, uh, I mean, Hills is pretty obvious. I think we've seen him make some pretty good throws this year. People might not want to admit that, but he has. And, um, I mean, you know, Perry, they just – literally the coaches just gush over how competitive he is. And I imagine he'll be – I mean, you know, obviously he's trying out there, and I think he's going to he's gonna have at least a couple nice throws against Minnesota. Um, I'd like to see a little bit more from uh, – Jesse Annabona, I imagine, and now I'm probably just listing off good players from yeah. Maryland. But I, um, I think you are, but it's fair. But uh, I think um, he he looked pretty good against Purdue, and then disappeared for a while, and then actually got hurt, and we don't really know what happened to him against um, Penn State. But uh, he's Maryland's best pass pass rusher, and I think he's. Uh, He's certainly capable of uh, of more than what we saw against Penn State. I would tend to agree with that. So since I think we all assume that Maryland, and assuming is not good, but I think we all assume Maryland can beat quarterbackless Minnesota, uh, mm-hmm. let's move on to some happier times, I guess, depending on how you look at these sports. Basketball season is not that far away, folks. Maryland Madness is Friday. Uh, first, Mello Trimble was named to the preseason All-Big Ten team. I don't think that's any surprise. He is still Maryland's best player by a fairly wide margin, and he was the only Terp in that list. But quickly, Ryan, uh, what are you looking forward to on Friday night, even though you're not going? <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, I think it's always fun. I think the most fun for me is really just seeing, like, the dunks that people do. Diamond and DeMonte last year, if I remember correctly – had like the top dunks by far and I think you got some pretty interesting guys and I think Micah Thomas and Justin Jackson especially just how athletic these guys are um that'll be exciting uh the dances are I think a little bit hit or miss um a lot there more might missing. be a lot, a lot more missing. there might be there might be a lot more running man which is probably not anything anymore because it's been out there for a while but if you're Maryland, that's that's kind of your thing, and you gotta you gotta do it. I understand that, and uh, I think the most the thing I'm most interested in seeing is they're saying it's a sports center theme, 
And I mean, right when they saw, right when they said Sports Center, I was like, boom, gotta be Scott Van Pelt. And then Van Pelt repi- replied to our tweet and was like, no, I'm not doing it. So if they were doing this Sports Center theme without Van Pelt, that's that's a that's a bit of a head scratcher, I guess. But um, I'm I'm interested to see what that would be, nonetheless. Uh, basically, just Sports Center top ten stuff all night. Probably. I'm trying to think of other gimmicks they could do, and I'm not so sure about many of those gimmicks. Uh, but uh, you have uh, Jalen and Jared host, uh, hosting Sports Center. I think I'd, I'd watch. Uh, maybe, potentially. I'd watch uh, Andrew Terrell host Sports Center. Andrew Terrell. I yeah, would. That's... Yeah, that that I would watch. You gotta that think. I would it, absolutely watch. You gotta think those those three have to be the like front and center almost. Well, we're we're, we're going to find out and. It is a reminder, and it's a good reminder, that basketball season is almost here, and that's very exciting. If you are not of the kind that likes us when when we talk about Maryland football all that often, uh, you're going to enjoy that basketball season is very close to being here. By the way, I did see one bowl projection from someone at ESPN, and the projection for Maryland, I hope you're sitting down, Music City Bowl versus Georgia. Georgia would hate that. Kirby Smart would be like, Please, Lord, can we get out of here? And then as those Maryland fans are going to be like, um, all right, fine. I, I will Georgia say, team that Jason, Jason Kirk, it. I think Jason Kirk had them in the uh, pinstripe bowl against North Carolina, if I oh, do recall correctly. I'd be totally okay with old ACC rivalries, yeah. too. I think we're pretty much okay with any bowl game, but regardless of yes. that. Yeah. So thank you both for joining us. This was a bit of a long podcast, but we had quite a bit to talk about, so... Hopefully you enjoyed this, and hopefully results go better on Saturday. Maryland's back at home. Uh, quickly, what kind of attendance do you think we're going to see, Ryan? That's a very interesting question. Because um, they got about too 42 from... for Purdue, which isn't as good as I would probably like. But um, I'd, I'd say, I guess, I mean, it'll be less than Purdue, but I imagine it'll still be, I think it'll still be something. I don't know. I guess if it was forty-two for Purdue, is thirty-five? Is thirty-five bad? I don't. I, I yeah. Don't well, when you see when you sit at a when you have a fifty-two thousand seat stadium and you put thirty-five that, that, in for the first game that, that, and forty-two big, uh, for the second, uh, it's not great. But they are four and one, although they're coming off a loss. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go thirty thirty-nine. That's still not great. Uh, although I, 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 have no idea that, I have no idea what that uh, I don't think it's good, but then again, maybe I care too much about attendance things. And, and Thomas, what, what do you think about the attendance? I'm actually going to go 43. It's important to remember it was very rainy uh, on homecoming day. Even though it was homecoming, it was a, it was a rainy day. This kind is true. Miserable. And it will not so be that we'll on go, Saturday. I'll go, a, I'll go a whopping 43. Yes, I still think that the uh, the place will probably be pretty close to full when Michigan State comes because it's a night game. That's just a very uneducated guess from the one night game I had when I was a student at Maryland. Anyway, hope what? No, never mind. I'm good. You're good. Maybe that's a sign yep. that the podcast needs to end very quickly, <laughs> and it will. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Sorry about the problems last week with downloading the show. We hopefully will have that fixed for you this week. Enjoy the game on Saturday. Enjoy Maryland Madness on Friday if you're going to it. But, of course, go Terps.